Welcome to the GC On Demand podcast, a show about people, about process, about technology, about community. It's great conversations with great technologists about things that matter to you, that matter to all of us. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to visit gcondemand.io for all of the show notes. And with that, let's get started. And welcome, everybody, to the GC On Demand podcast. Uh, joining me this week is uh, a very special guest uh, for folks, of course, just in case you don't know know this voice. Uh, my name is Eric Wright. I found uh, on Twitter, you can find me. I'm at Disco Posse. And uh, I, in the Green Circle community, if you're finding us through that uh, side of the podcast, it, I'm also at Disco Posse in the Green Circle community, uh, which is greencirclecommunity.com. Uh, I'm very, very happy today to to welcome a special, you know, friend in the industry and somebody who I've leaned on for a lot of neat ideas, advice, and who's doing something really, really neat that uh, I would love to share. Uh, with that, I'd like to welcome Simon Law. Uh, Simon, if you want to introduce yourself to uh, to the audience, tell us where we can find you online, what you do, and then we're going to get into some 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 really cool questions. Thanks for having me, Eric. I'm very excited to be here. This is Simon Law. I'm a product manager at Oracle. I manage a cloud product called Oracle Cloud Infrastructure Revelo Service. You can find me on Twitter at Revelo System. You can also reach out to me directly at slaw underscore HK. I'm not sure how familiar your listeners are with Revelo, so I'm just going to spend one minute explaining what it is. It's a product that Oracle acquired two years ago, and it allows customers to take their on-prem VMware applications, assets, without making any changes and make them run in the public cloud. And is that is that product is now part of the uh, Oracle cloud portfolio. And what I, I've really, I've enjoyed watching the evolution of, of your team and, and the, the platform itself over, not just in the last couple of years uh, since the Oracle acquisition, but you know, watch the inception of, of the company. So it's, it's really, really neat to, to watch. And so, I mean, I kind of want to lead in. It, it, the story matches up nicely, I think. You know, Oracle Revelo solves a really distinct problem in a really neat way. But the question for us is really, why has that become important? So I would, I would ask, like, so how is the you know, rise in adoption of, I call it sort of more systemized approaches to IT, this idea of more repeatable, immutable infrastructures. Like, as you're seeing these changes and people are leaning towards automation and orchestration and, and infrastructure as code, like, how is that helping, you know, both what you're doing at, at at Oracle Ravello, as well as, you know, in general in IT? Yeah, this is a very good question, Eric. This is actually one of the design goals of the product. You know, the problem that we are trying to solve here is that to, you know, VMware is a primary uh, on-prem product. It runs in your data center. And there's always a need uh, to, you know, clone some of these uh, workload that you have and take advantage of the cloud, right? Because you have the infinite scalability, unlimited resources, and only pay for when you use it. So the challenges we were trying to solve when we were designing the product was how we can help these on-premise uh, customers that's using VMs, and they want to run it 
um, take advantage in the cloud, but there's a lot of challenges of being able to provisional, uh, provision these resources without over-provisioning. Um, you want to have an automation and a cloning process in order to support these workload. So our design goals was to focus on two things. One was ease of use, how we can uh, preserve what the customer have on-prem and make them run assets in the cloud, as well as making it easily repeatable process. Because from talking to our customers, besides running production workload, they also always need to have pre-production environment. So I'm sure you're aware of this and all your listeners too. For every production environment, your QA team will need extra one for testing. You know, you may have a training requirements. You may want to do security testing, depth tests, all of these extra environments. And ideally, you want to take advantage of the cloud for that. And the way Revelo does this is that we actually have a concept where we can take a snapshot. So we, we do have some built-in uh, automation mechanism is once you give us all your VMs that you use um, on-prem, we will make them all work in the cloud assets because this VM actually doesn't know they're running in the cloud because we have a virtual network layer, a virtual cloud layer that will make these VM things is actually running on top of VMware in your data center, and then you can take a whole snapshot of that in Revelo. Um, we call that a blueprint. It's basically a snapshot of whole, the whole infrastructure. And then you can, after that, then you can spin up um, as many copies as you need. And then you just take that and say, give me five copies of it, and then it will t spin up another identical copy, say in 10 or 15 minutes. So this is a real powerful feature, and these are the things that we're trying to solve because we understand the challenges of uh, being able to provision these environments in the cloud for the different use cases, or these, especially these pre-production bursty workload that uh, our customers need to have. And I think it's, if you, you mentioned a great thing that we talk about, for every production workload, there's at least you know a QA, a test, or something or other. I remember, building you know physical servers back in the day and and we had a rule that every time you would buy a new application when it was on a physical server you had to buy three servers at minimum and often four so you would buy one for production we wanted a second one that was a test or a qa box that was identical and then you wanted the third which would have been a disaster recovery instance that you would put in a secondary site and we had to synchronize these old-fashioned ways it was it was terrible so when we get virtualization it got at least like one step closer where you could copy VMs, but then you were still using up that infrastructure. So I, I, I love the approach and I agree wholly that, you know, we've, that for every server there is, there's this long tail of other copies of servers and, and code sitting out there. So it's, I, I love that as an industry, we've been able to get better at moving faster. And, and I think people are seeing the value. Have you ever had people who, like don't don't get it right away or like I would imagine it's an easy an easy pitch as to what the problem is and and then it's just getting folks to kind of understand how it is that you solve it yeah the, the, you know that i I think the 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 beauty of this product is that um you actually don't need to be very technical <laughs> a lot of our users. Um, that we actually talk to are the different business units, right? Because you, you just talk about this. It could be the QA team that knew, because you, you have a release cycle. And it's, it's, sometimes it's hard to predict, maybe every month, every two months, depending on 
on the on the company and then you then you need extra QA servers to do testing right because if you don't have these infrastructure in place it could actually affect your release schedules so then but the people we talk to are typically not the IT folks in the company right so we tend to try to explain to the business unit oh wh what is it that you need that you need all these uh, extra machines to to run and you don't have these um, it take you maybe three months to acquire this extra hardware to you know to solve your problem then we explain these to them and then then it's working to with these users that um, who don't need to have a technical VMware knowledge I mean you just have to upload these uh, identical VMs in there and then they can managing everything you know using because we Revelo is like a SaaS uh, software product. You just have to do everything in GUI. And um, and you can also automate it if you want to use scripts using REST API to do all these automation for you. Um, maybe I can uh, share with a, one or two use cases, uh, Eric, on um, some of the challenges that we have seen customers have and how how this product actually helped these customers. Um, yeah, I think that's helpful because, again, it's the context of it is, is always interesting. You know, we find this a lot of times, self-service automation and those types of things, I, I've, we've called them the solution looking for a problem, but you've, you've got specific things. So yeah, share, share a couple of those use cases, cool. Okay, uh, you know, one would be, a, you know, one is actually an online gaming company that we have, I'm not gonna, um, Call out their name here. I'm not. So what they have is uh, they do online casinos, online poker, so gaming environment. So unlike other websites, e-commerce website where they just set it up and they open it up for business, every region or every country that they do business in, they actually have to go through some regulator for review, and they their whole business rely on 250 plus VMs. You need all of that configured on all running in order they can set up uh, another data center to do their business. So in order to get approval from the regulator, they actually have to spin up another same identical instance for the regulator to review. And it typically takes them three months just to set it up because of the inf getting the res hardware resource and to to get everything working, to, wow, to clone yeah. another copy of it, right? So because it's a hardware, right? So then they, they understand the challenge and they say, why don't I take advantage of the cloud, right? So they start looking at going the cloud native mode, taking these VMs and then converting them. And they just couldn't get the networking to work because uh, they just require so much work. You can imagine the connectivity um, of getting these 255 VMs all to work together in the cloud. So then um, we helped them, um, you know, we worked with them and then got everything uploaded. And now the benefit saving is when they need to spin up these copies, it only takes them 20 minutes because they have it as a, what we call a blueprint, which is a snapshot. And then behind the scene, we do all the automation and all the cloning for them in the cloud. They need to spin that up. We'll just spin it up in whatever regions they want. They want it for two months, three months, just leave it there. When they're done, they shut it down and then they just pay for the usage. So there's one one use case where for this uh, transient environment is a very uh, good example of using Revelo. A second one will be some kind of like training environment. I think that one is a is also a good one where it's very difficult uh, in as a company to have enough uh, hardware uh, to support 
because sometimes these online training classes is hard to predict how many people is going to sign up and you you don't have the resource you don't want to over provision uh, all these accounts and have your machines or if you don't have enough and then you have to tell your students I'm sorry that's the class is full can you sign up next month when we have the class again so yeah, it's kind of hard I, <laughs> on demand thing goes away you're like ah sorry the clouds full <laughs> You, you see on website, right? And in fact, now people just come online. They just take the test straight away. They actually don't sign up for a particular day. They want to do it now, right? So ideally, you want something that's behind the scene. When a, a student sign up, they say, I want to do the test now. Behind the scene, provision the account. And then within a minute or so, they can now do everything um, they want. So again, Ravello is very good at this because you can actually set up all your training content even a day before. The work, it could be a workshop, it could be some uh, hands-on lab environment. And uh, in fact, we have one at a, a training company. Uh, one, they have an annual event every year in Vegas and they have 5,000 people come in and do hands-on labs. Can you imagine the nightmare? Um, I don't know if you set, have you set up hands on that before, Eric, uh, for training? I'm in, I'm, in the, I'm in the middle of trying to do it and uh, and it was it, it was a lot of work and even just to get it to go once, let alone to have it and be scalable, that was the, the big killer is like, what happens if it goes well and I suddenly have 45 people in at once? I, you know, so it's, there's, a, there's a whole host of challenges in, in setting that one up. Yes, you can, you can imagine, and I, I remember when, even when we were using it in a VM, I used to carry a, a couple, you know, a tens of USB sticks and then ask the student to copy it onto the laptop and then have it all spin up and then you can't really control these environments. So the, the thing is you can set everything up in your Ravello environment and then you can even make changes up till, you know, five minutes before the training class, right? And then when you're ready to spin it up, you just say spin up 50 copies because I have 50 people in the room and then have it all running um, in the cloud. And then each student will have their own environment so they don't overwrite each other's work. And then they have their own identical environment. And then you as an instructor can also access their environment in the cloud for troubleshooting. So these are the type of environments where it's actually very difficult without taking advantage of the cloud and you you know to, to set up because it's going to take a long time. And these are bursty workload too. You just don't want to have all these machines ready for the occasional uses for training, for example. Yeah, we've we've got an in, an industry wide challenge of this, you know. Is uh, and if, like I said, if you've got a the greatest problem you could have is a sudden uptick in in consumption, which is means that an operations team is in a whole world of hurt in trying to prepare for that. So it's there's definitely a pretty solid use case. I, I'm actually. Uh, you know, I'm doing this same thing in, in my current organization. So building some hands-on labs for training and you can kind of guess which platform I'm leaning on <laughs> because <laughs> I went through the mail of, of trying to set up traditional, you know, virtualization automation and, and, you know, it's, it's a great exercise, but then I own it and then it's a problem. So even if you do a particularly exciting design, then you you don't know that it's going to survive the test of time as as new versions come out and such. So it's there's definitely a clear advantage. And I, I think you called on a lot of good things, and and that's why I really you know, you've got such a good you know history and, and view of the industry, Simon. When I look at 
why we're doing stuff like this. And, you know, obviously training is going on all over the world and, and we're really thinking about, I'm going to hone in on that. You know, what, what are the reasons why we are seeing people love training and love all these things? So I think it feels like there's, there's new stuff going on all the time. Cloud is getting larger. Uh, more folks are diving into development. And I would love to ask you, you know, what do you see and, and even what your team are seeing is like, what are the big trends that we see amongst you know, customers and community members today in IT? Um, big trends in IT. Um, <laughs> you know, the, 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 the thing with IT is that these things, uh, you know, I, I've, been, uh, I've been with IT for over 20, 20 years. And what I notice is the trends changes almost every year. So right now, the what's hot is people talking about not just about uh, talking about AI, talking about machine learning, turning, talking about autonomous uh, technologies. So a lot of vendors are looking in that area, uh, looking at making their services smarter, uh, making the operators or the roles of uh, some of the IT roles. Um, changing a lot because uh, we look, all talk about self-learning, how these products and now self-tuning, you know, we try to reduce a lot of uh, manual labor, a lot of these tedious tasks. Um, that's typically previously required by the administrators. Um, so that's the trend that I'm starting to see uh, over the last two years or so. A lot of these uh, technology companies are now focusing on that. And uh, I mean, let's dive into that real quick. Like, be, given that we've seen, you know, I've been around a little longer than I like to admit sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And you know, we've seen some changes. And that was the old phrase uh, goes, plus ça change, plus c'est la même chose. The more things change, the more they stay the same. We see like cyclic trends and things that go on. And automation has come in many forms. AI is, is this next level of things that are going on around automating decisions and, and such. But, you know, what I find is it's an enabling function, not a deprecating function. So it doesn't remove the need for people. It, in fact, enables those humans to do even more exciting things. I've, I rarely see people displaced by some level of automation I've, what I find is they tend to move into like higher value functions, higher value work, and often higher paying stuff. You know, what, what's your feeling in, in what you've seen of, you know, are we actually ever going to displace people? I, I agree with you 100%, Eric. I'm not saying these, these things will replace human, but it changes the job roles. Um, I can maybe talk about, obviously, I'm from Oracle, so I'm going to talk about just an example of uh, uh, the trend of you know uh, the database can now run in the cloud. It will be managed by Oracle. We have uh, autonomous database. It's a self-tuning. So the role of the DBA is also changing. I'm just using as an example. We no longer they do apply patching, which is uh, you know uh, upgrading the different versions, and uh, they are now changing the role of doing these database maintenances. They are now doing uh, more data database architect role, which is designing the system, put, thinking about what should live in the database, how to partition the data, how to, you know, looking at the, at the application level. So their job roles are changing. I, I agree with you. So they won't be spending as much time on those uh, mandate tasks that they used to do, uh, which 
could be, you know, was taking 50% of their job uh, today. Yeah, it's funny. I've, I remember the days of having an incredibly smart, you know, DBA that I worked with, uh, you know, a team of them and, and, you know, working with this fellow and, and, you know, I would think like he had such incredible capability and yet it's three o'clock in the morning and he's building a database server for somebody. And I like, like, this just doesn't seem like high valued work for somebody who can design effective, you know, database schemas and architectures and understanding how to do ETL to get data in and out of things. I'm like, you know, we are really wasting this resource because we've had them doing all these these manual tasks. So it's, I'm excited by seeing this trend. And, and actually, I really dig in on the autonomous database stuff. When I saw the announcement, I guess a few months ago, or, or, or probably, I guess a few months ago, it was like Oracle World or something where it was like the bigger announcement. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty cool because I think, you know, when when people see it as a service, I also find the trust level is much higher. You know, when we talk about like sizing and scaling virtual machines, there's a real, you know, people are sticky about that. They're like, oh, you know, I, I got to get approval. I have to make sure that I know that the application people know and, and then I've got to work in the change window and I've got to do all these things. And it was a lot harder to do stuff in traditional environments. But then in the cloud, you kind of accept that it's ephemeral, that it should be self, you know, that it's abstracted. And so I think that was an ideal opportunity for you know, seeing what's going on. And, and then from there, that trust level will get built. And I, I can't imagine it'll be too long before we may see some of that stuff come back on premises, hopefully. Yes, yes, I, I, I agree. You know, the cloud changes a lot of that and you know, all of these uh, self-tuning, autonomous uh, features uh, are, are sort of will enhance the business flow for the companies because uh, a lot of these will be happening behind the scene that you, you know, you don't have to worry about where previously you spent a lot of time planning for involving, uh, telling your end user about these changes now will just happen behind the scene. Yeah, instead of emailing them about potential change windows and impact, you'll be able to email them telling them how great it's going, you know, or at least, you know, again, like move to those higher value tasks, which is, which is nice. And, and I guess this is also changing the trend of learning. And, you know, I came out of a particular era of technology where I, I walked into it doing just desktop support in working in the early distributed teams in a mainframe centric shop. And I learned from that environment and I carried some of that stuff over and, and I watched generations, a couple of them through that. And so I'm always excited by people's ideas of if you're fresh, if you're just getting into IT, you know, you're coming out of university or, or you're fairly fresh to it, you know, what are the things that they should be concentrating on? Because it's no longer learning how to build a server necessarily. You know, what do you think, Simon, are kind of key things that a, a newcomer to IT should be looking at is they, you know, how now have new stuff available to them. Yeah. So Eric, I think uh, we are in a similar era. I also, uh, when I started, um, obviously there was no internet client server were just starting. So I started off as a programmer. I think there isn't 
programmer probably uh, people understand it as a developer. They probably don't use that term right, anymore. That, that, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I, 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 it immediately matched for me, but I realized I'm like, yeah, that probably doesn't, a lot of people won't know that phrase anymore. <laughs> yeah, and then I went into support. Then I went to product management. So we, you know, we go through a cycle of IT changes. And uh, what I find is that the technology uh, changes very quickly. Um, there's new focus every year. And so my advice uh, to newcomers to IT is just don't be afraid of these constant changes. You know, just be, be prepared for the change and, uh, you know, um, just be try and keep up to date with the technology in general. Um, you can al always look at, you know, uh, read up uh, publications, go on, do some online courses, and it helps you to keep up to date. And there's always no harm in keeping your resume current. So that's one thing I would say uh, if you're coming into IT for the first time, don't be surprised, you know, when I, when, you know, when Eric and I was started, there wasn't even internet. I think for the younger folks uh, who's listening to your podcast, you probably can't imagine uh, when right. life without internet, right? How did you live? How did you eat? <laughs> like, we're so connected to it. <laughs> yeah. So besides uh, keeping up to date with the technologies, um, the other important uh, skill set I want to mention here is actually communication skills. Most IT professionals that I have worked with have uh, excellent technical skills, but they often have trouble explaining the solutions to end users and to their management. And soft skill it can just be as important as hard skills. And uh, communication is the key when you're doing team collaborations, uh, working with different teams. So don't overlook this important uh, skill set. I would say that uh, for people in IT, it's very important to make sure you have um, good communication skills. Well, especially it's you look at the role that you've taken on now and, and you watch it. Uh, I've seen more and more that people thought there's an, there's supposed to be this progression. You start off as junior X and then you are intermediate X and, and senior X and then you are V director of X and then VP of X. And it was a very linear thing that we did, but now I find more and more people are, are shifting between you know roles and departments in IT and they change from job to job. You don't have to always go up because you typically change companies more often now than we did in, in, in years or decades past. And so there's also a broader acceptance of not having to have a progressive title all the time. And the good thing I find is the successful folks are, are like you said, the, the communication, those soft skills really drive it up. And Lord knows product management, that's a, that's a heavy one, right? Because you have to be able to understand how customers consume things and, you know, we, uh, some people always ask me like, we like to speak in customer language. And I said, oh, you mean like human language? Yes. <laughs> you know, actual, you know, we call them customers, but I call them community peers, friends, you know, uh, but it really is like, think like person, a person who's going to use a product or software and then bring that message back to developers and, 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 you know, the architects and say, Hey, so I'm hearing this and, you know, have you found that, that was that's kind of what drew you? Because you have a very good natural ability to to merge, you know, a technical understanding and 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 telling mm -hmm. the story. Like, did that is that what drew you into product management as an example? Yeah, I, I think you actually uh, sum it up 
pretty well, Eric. Um, as a product manager, you do need communication is very important because if you, first of all, you need to communicate your customer's requirement in the development and engineering lingo. So you, you break down the requirements, but then you also need to talk to your customers to explain these uh, solutions so they, they understand the benefit of them, uh, of what, what your product offers. And uh, I, I guess it's because I started off uh, work with support and I actually do like engaging, working with helping customers and talking to people. And I find being a product manager actually do touch on bit of each, you know, there's a product manager, you, you get to do a lot of things, right? And uh, it's not um, not just coding all the time. You actually, if you want, you can do some coding. Uh, you can help customers to troubleshoot things, do technical stuff, but you also, you know, do events, you talk to customers, understand business challenges, maybe do podcasts, you know, and things like that. So I, I actually, you know, like the nature of doing product management. And, and what you said earlier is actually pretty true. You know, when I first started, you know, we, we talk about, um, I actually work for a government. Uh, and then we talk about always rank, right? You progress lively, you get a higher title, you do different things. And nowadays you, you don't have to, you know, if you're happy with what you're doing, you know, especially for me, I work for a large company. I actually changed four teams already. So you actually can do a bit of both. You know, you start with doing this and then you see some new technology coming along and there's opportunity. You can actually switch to a different team and then focus on a different things that you may want to learn. So it's uh, definitely the technology is changing a lot and uh, having good communication skills and uh, for myself uh, being biased, I think product management is a good mix of technical as well as uh, understand the business and then helping customers to you know provide solutions to help their business to grow yeah i think it'd be i, I would love to i may call on you in future to, to have a discussion very broadly you know more more deeply rather about about product management as a role because it's a lot of people it's a misunderstood role sometimes my favorite i think there's a there's a t-shirt that uh, uh, that I actually got for one of my product managers and it says being a product manager is it's easy it's like riding a bike except the bike is on fire and you're on fire and everything's on fire and you're in hell <laughs> so it, it seems like they're stuck in the middle of like the developers are unhappy the customers are unhappy the management team is unhappy and like it's you're this proxy between all this disarray and somehow keeping it organized, bringing the message and, and emoting that between, it's not just it, the way that we talk about it now. It's like, it's user stories and customer stories. And we've learned these methodologies through agile and, and scrum and the way we describe stuff in development shops. And the reason was because we had to map to the way people use things. And so I love that the language is a little bit more aligned on it. And, you know, it, it wasn't just, you know, let's, let's just build a release. And, and that's, no one cared about why you did it. It's just like, it's time for a quarterly release of our software. <laughs> like, what does that even mean? <laughs> What's the value that you get out of the LA? How do you measure that you've done something well? It's got a point one at the end now. Congratulations. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. There's a lot of, um, you know, we can spend a, another podcast just dedicated to uh, product management, but, uh, Yep, all all these things you said, you know, you you know, you know the the product the product manager is the ears and eyes for the product. You know, they communicate, get all the talk to all the customers and prospects, and then give that feedback, and that's the direction the 
engineering team that will spend the next year or so focusing on adding those things for the customers. So. And it definitely aligns with like what we talked before. Like, so as a technologist, you know, I agree with you uh, and great advice and thank you for sharing, you know, that's, we see it's much more than just pure technology. There's absolutely value in, in the deep technologist, you know, and, and a very, very distinct roles, which are like purely on development and purely on, you know, sort of data science and those things. But there's so much more, uh, I think, value for those folks when they can kind of bridge a bit more and, and, and communication's a huge huge thing to really open the doors to that, especially just working in a team and, and we're in a much more collaborative world. So it's, it's good. And, hey, so this is great. Thank you, Simon, for sharing, you know, obviously for folks that have not tried out Revelo systems, there's a, uh, there's a way to do so. Uh, if you want to share that uh, and we can hopefully get some folks to, to take a look at that. Uh, and, and then there's also a community podcast. Uh, there's a couple of different things. So uh, I'll try and put this up in some show notes and share it out on, on Twitter as well so that folks know where to find out this. I'm actually, by the time people hear this, I may have already recorded a community podcast on, on my journey with you know trying some stuff in Revella Systems and, and starting to build a hands-on labs. And then hopefully in a couple months, I'll have a fully featured much you know more cool story to share as we go through that so simon thanks again how do people get a hold of you and and where do they find out more about Revel you and Revelo systems okay um you can go to twitter uh, at Revelo systems uh, to check on the latest news about Revelo. and then if you want to um you know maybe go sign up for a trial account and play with it and get access to you know watch some video then you can also go to cloud oracle.com slash Revelo and uh, you can reach out to me on uh, Twitter also at slaw underscore HK so again uh, thanks for having me uh, Eric uh, uh, it was fun excellent thanks Simon thank you if you like what you heard here and want to hear much more don't forget to subscribe to the GC on demand podcast you can go to gcondemand.io where you'll find the links in order to catch us in iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, and more. So go to gcondemand.io. Don't forget to rate us in your podcaster of choice and look for much, much more. Have a show idea? Tweet us at GC On Demand. Thanks for listening.